Brother James. Hey, Daniel. It's good to see you. It's good seeing you, too. Right on. Yeah, love the opportunity to talk to you. Yeah, I'm really glad that you're taking the opportunity. So the heart behind this is uh, we do ministry around each other. We're here in the greater Idaho Falls area, and uh, you filled the pulpit a couple times here at at, Mm -hmm. uh, Christ Community. Uh, We do the podcast together. You're part of our our pastor's meetings. what else? Oh, you did you did a wonderful reading on Christmas Eve, and mm. so your face is out there in front of some of our people. Yeah, and uh, a lot of them are new and probably don't know your history and connection to this church. And so I wanted sure. to give them the opportunity to know you more, uh, know a little bit of your, of your backstory, um, how you came to faith, how you met your wife, stuff like that. Yeah, um, and then. Uh, what you're doing out in Ryrie, mm-hmm. a little bit about your church and the community there, what some of your hopes are, some of your struggles are, uh, and then how people can pray for you and partner with you. And sounds so, great. Yeah. You want to yeah. jump into it? Love that. That right. sounds awesome. So give us a little backstory on you. Uh, what was your family and your upbringing like? Sure. Yeah. So I was born and raised in this area on a farm and ranch just outside Idaho Falls. Um was born into a amazing uh, Christian home. I have God-fearing, Jesus-loving, Bible-believing parents who to this day still love the Lord. Your parents are um, awesome. I was I am blessed <laughs> to have them as my parents. Um yeah, so and um growing up in this area, so I also we went to church. Um I again was blessed to go to the same church my entire upbringing. Which um, church was that? Um, that was Alliance Covenant at the time. Right on. Yeah. So um, that was just a, a blessing, right? Um, I think as I look back over my life, I think of Paul in First Corinthians 15, where he says, By the grace of God, I am what I am. Um, and his grace towards me was not in vain. I labored harder than any of them. Not that I labored hard, but <laughs> that, um, but God's grace in me. Yeah. Um, and as I, as I look at my life, it's just whether it was my parents, the grace of God through my parents ministering to me or the church ministering to me, it's just, it's just his grace towards me in my life. So, um, yeah, that was my upbringing. Um, grew up going to Awana, um, at our church, Alliance Covenant, um, grew up going to Old Faithful Christian Ranch every summer. Once I was old enough, um, as soon as I was old enough, I started serving in the church, teaching kids and teaching, going up to camp as a cabin leader. And different what was old like enough? Uh, so uh, I started helping with our kids' ministry, I think, when I was 14, right on. and then cabin leading and continuing with the kids' ministry when I was 16. So you've been, you've been engaged so, in some kind of like active ministry since you were 14? Yeah, probably. How yeah. old are you now? I am going to turn 31 at the end of this month. Right on. Yeah, I know. Well, when did you start feeling your affections for the Lord stirred? Was it, you know, you had Mm. some people whose stories are, you know, grew up, always knew, Mm. you never had, or, and some people, you know, or that they had that moment. Uh, But what was that like for you? When did you really start to come out from underneath the, the care and shepherding of your, your parents, praise God for their ministry of, mm. of the, uh, the spirit to you and, and, um, and really start to kind of own it yourself, mm. identify your need for Christ, love mm. the Lord, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I can remember 
sitting at the kitchen table when I was five or six years old. Wow. Um, understanding my need for a savior, understanding that I was a, a sinner, um, and that I did need a savior. Um, and my mom walking me through the gospel, um, and accepting Christ at that time. Praise God. Yeah, I know. Praise the Lord. Um, what I think grew, as is often the case in testimonies like mine, what grew is my understanding of how sinful I was and how amazing God's love was, is. Um, and that grew over time, um, primarily through one of my Sunday school teachers, Joyce Carlson. Uh, she faithfully taught us Romans, and we got to Romans 5. And, you know, God demonstrated his love for us in this while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Um, and, you know, growing up in the church, it's easy to start thinking like, you know, yeah, I know I need a savior, but, you know, I'm not that bad. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm, I was a rambunctious child, right? I got into trouble, but I wasn't, I really wasn't that, you know, law-breaking, rebellious child um, by the grace of God. And... You know, that can cause you to start thinking like the older prodigal son. Oh, I'm, I'm good, right? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm righteous. I have something good in me. And it was really at that moment in high school um, when I just had just a breaking down of, no, there's nothing good in me. Um, and God, in his love, chose to love me and demonstrate his love for me in Jesus Christ, my Savior. And so that was when I was 14, 16 years old okay. that that transformation took place. And then I started, just really started studying the Bible more, um, teaching. I had that opportunity with kids, uh, which was really fun. Um, and uh, that's probably when those affections kindled even more, though I think that whole time yeah. there was a love of the Lord. But at that moment there was, I mean, when we understand how <laughs> great our need is, it makes his love so much more marvelous. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. So when did you feel called to ministry? Was it during that time? Yeah, it was actually. Uh, it was during probably when I was about 16 years old. Um, I was teaching in different like kids ministry capacities um, and youth and different things like that. And so I had the opportunity to kind of do some teaching throughout high school. And I had different individuals kind of confirm a gifting there. Uh, and so I felt the desire to go into some form of pastoral. Initially, it was youth ministry is what I really wanted to pursue, though that changed um, over time. So, yeah. yeah. Was there anything that kind of deviated you from the youth ministry route, or was it just a general? Mm. It was the love of the church. Um, you know, I I love youth. I, I can really have a great time with a bunch of youth. A uh, bunch of kids. Oh, yeah, summer camp. Right, it's exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoy it. It's fun. Um, you know, it is it is really enjoyable for me and relating to them and talking to them about the Lord. But what I found in myself was a desire not just for one generation of the church, but the whole church. Yeah. Um, because of the church I grew up in, not that our church was perfect by any means. We had a lot of problems, um, which my parents, again, in their faithfulness to the Lord, they kept us at that church through those problems, which helped us understand church, you stick it out as much as you can. You pursue unity. Um, and so I just found myself, I love the church of all ages, of all walks. Um, I just desired to minister to the whole body, not just a specialized 
group gotcha. of the body. Did serving as interim director of Old Faithful Christian Ranch uh, solidify that for you, or was there kind of a oh hey I could I could do this solidify solidify that hey no I'm really called to to sort of yeah you know large church not large church but but whole church ministry holistic church ministry sure or was there a temptation to say yeah i really you know i love the youth i love doing this could you you know do you ever consider stepping into that role full-time or was it all was it just kind of reaffirming to you that you were called to pastoral ministry yeah so i've had different opportunities uh in life um to kind of pursue some other avenues of ministry um that was one example um I was the acting executive director up at Old Faithful Christian Ranch just a couple years ago, but I also served as assistant program director the first summer of college when I was home. And during that first summer of college, I did have a time where I was thinking, maybe this is what the Lord wants me to do. Um, But by the end of the summer, there was just this realization of, you know, I'm a, I'm an extrovert. I like spending time with people. Um, And summer, summer camp camp ministry there is a lot of you're not always around people there's those weeks of intense everybody (laughs) love that uh but there's also a lot of time of solitude and you're just up doing stuff taking care of the camp different things like that at least at old faithful so yeah so that kind of made it very clear that i didn't want to pursue that i also worked on the farm for a while with my dad and he'll tell you uh, it's not my calling (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, I think right. I think I ended up breaking more things than helping sometimes. That's fair. <laughs> Just so you know, your your dad always speaks so incredibly highly of you. So he's never let me know that you damaged a bunch of his equipment. Oh well, I just have. So cool. <laughs> well, um, so how'd you meet Agatha? Yeah, so Agatha and I met in Bible college. So I Agatha went, is his wife, by the way. Yeah, my beautiful, wonderful wife. Um, we. I graduated high school, went right into Bible college up at Montana Bible College. Agatha did the same, and so we started as freshmen, and uh, for NBC, uh, their freshman courses were all the same. So we took all the same classes, uh, we hung out a bunch, uh, so I got to know her in a group setting, which was super great. I love that. Um, That was wonderful. I always tell the story, and uh, if she watches this, she'll hear it and laugh because she'll know what I'm about to say. But um, the first time we met, we were getting together in the sub building uh, to play games with all the freshmen, some upperclassmen as well. And we all sat in a circle, and Agatha sat in this green chair that only had three legs. And one of those legs, you know, if you've ever sat in a chair like that, it's kind of precarious. And it was two pointed forward, one pointed back. And so it was very unsteady. And she went to cross her legs, and the chair just flipped backwards. Mm-hmm. And up pops this beautiful, curly, red hair girl with just, just she's just blush. She's embarrassed. Um, but she fell backwards. And so I always tell people she fell head over heels for me the first time she saw right me. Right on. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, when did you know you wanted to marry her? So I knew um, after she did, we weren't even dating when she knew. So oh, right she, yeah, she decided pretty quickly. <laughs> so we had started dating. We had dated for a year. Um, and then uh, I, I, I knew that this was who I wanted to marry and spend my life with. Um, and I had sought counsel from 
my discipler up at my uh, Bible college, and he just offered some instructive prayer things to pray through and think through as far as, you know, making sure it's not infatuation, making sure you're thinking long-term, setting yourself up for success, planning for the future. Um, and so I took, you know, a month or so to pray, um, a week of fasting, and then uh, asked her to marry me after that. So Right on. Yeah. And uh, how long have you guys been married? Uh, ten and a half years. So clearly it's working out. Yeah, yeah, by you're the grace of God. You're already over the seven-year <laughs> seven hump there. Yeah, by the grace so of God. So you mentioned that you went to uh, to Montana Bible College. you give mm-hmm. us a little bit of background on your theological training, um, you know, in particular areas of interest that you've done self-study in or, or additional schooling, stuff like that? Yeah, that's a big question. Um, yeah, MBC, when I attended, was a great school. Um it you know there's been there's been some changeover of faculty um so i don't really i know some of the faculty now but i don't really know the school very well now um but it was it was a wonderful school i'm very thankful i got to go and i did um it was a school that emphasized rural church ministry uh and discipleship oh cool um and discipleship was a really big part so i had the opportunity to meet with the academic team the entire my entire 5 years of bible college once a week we'd meet um, we go through different books, and um, yeah, he faithfully ministered to my life and mentored me during that time. So theologically, uh, they're um, associated with, they were meeting at Grace Bible Church at the time, which is kind of connected to masters, and so that's probably the theological um, stream that's coming out in the, in the schooling uh, so for con- me. Conservative Baptist. Yeah, maybe a little bit more. Um, yeah, but still elder rule. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, think, think John MacArthur and that's gotcha. pretty much it. So, um, which is great. I was and was it, was it, it was the course of study five years or were you doing part-time? I, I squeezed it into five years. You squeezed it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had friends well, who squeezed it, it into through. 10. So, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> So yeah. were you introduced to any particular, so you said discipleship was a mm-hmm. um, particularly meaningful experience for you. Is it a particular inter- like theological interest to you? Is it, a, is it something that you have pursued studying as well? Or, um, you know, yeah. Patrick is, Patrick is a, a mm. he loves the spiritual formation him. side of, yeah, of, of that stuff. And yeah. so, yeah, what about... Yeah, I wouldn't put myself on the the level of okay. Patrick. <laughs> uh, I do admire his his ability uh, and and what he's uh, yeah, just how he views discipleship. It's amazing. I love talking to him about it. It's awesome. Um, and so I think probably what was instilled in me is the need for discipleship and um, and trying to implement that in a church. And so to some degree, um, I wouldn't say that I've you know dived deep into okay. that theologically. I think for me, what was what's always been there for me since I was early, you know, I was young. Um, I was, I think, fifteen. Is the Reformation, uh, Reformed theology, okay. um, and that's been growing in my mind and growing in my focus. Um, is you know, uh, a Calvinistic leaning and understanding of Scripture, of the sovereignty of God. Um, a big God theology is how some people call it. Gotcha. So. Would you say Calvin is your partic- the particular ref- reformer that you've gravitated towards, or are there other reformers that have had um, a pretty tremendous impact on you? Yeah, I think 
he's probably the one I've read the most, though I have been interested in trying to study John Knox more. Uh, I have... Uh, I had it's someone, yeah. I had someone <laughs> give me his complete works, and so I've been trying to chisel out time to start working through some of that. And um, but that requires, you know, history of Scotland and some other things that I'm still trying to puzzle pieces. I'm trying to put together to understand him fully. Um, and so, uh, yeah, he's one I'd like to know better. Cool. Um, so yeah, so. right on. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> moving into some of your your personal stuff here. Um, mm. What's been your big? So we, we've talked about how you came to faith. Talked about some of your your theological influences, stuff like that. But what has been your biggest struggle, personal struggle, when it comes to the faith? Mm-hmm. Um, have you and just a, a uh, has it been dealing with intellectual doubts? Has it been dealing with uh, you know some of the the church unhealth, like uh, friends falling away? Like what what have been some of your your uh, biggest struggles you know in your own personal faith um mm. I, you don't have to i'm not asking you to confess your deepest darkest <laughs> sins or anything like that um but just to kind of humanize mm. your your experience for people sure mm. yeah i want to think think soberly about that you know i could probably point to different sins that i've struggled with i think probably my wife would give the answer of lack of confidence um when it comes to speaking um, the truth uh, that the Lord has impressed upon me yeah. um, through education, through reading, through whatever that may be, um, which probably stems from insecurity is probably where it stems from. Uh, and so I'd probably uh, probably lean that direction and saying uh, that that's, that's probably what my biggest struggle would be. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, we could, you could psychoanalyze that all you want, but which is no, no, I, I think it's fascinating because the way that you, uh, the way that you preach, you are a fearless proclaimer. Hmm. That's one of the things I would, I would characterize you as that. Um, so, uh, I don't sense any timidity or cowardice, hmm. like, you know, in your, in the boldness of your proclamation. Uh, so it's, it's interesting sure. that, hmm. Um, that you you would identify that as yeah. as a, a struggle. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. So then, along with that, what's been your greatest joy when it comes to the faith? You mm-hmm. spoke about the experience of recognizing your need for Christ and mm-hmm. how that you know transforms your understanding of His love for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are there any other other kind of mountaintop things you you know uh, joys in your in your faith walk? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as you know, uh, and all the pastors know, um, John Piper has played a key role in my understanding of my faith. Um, and so probably the, the thing I cherish the most about the Lord is just being satisfied in him, uh, to, as John Piper would say, seeing and savoring God. Um, and, and for me, we can't see and savor God unless we realize he is the ultimate, right? He is supreme. He is the most magnificent that has ever been or ever will be uh, and that when we truly see him and through the word um, and savor him and, and, and find satisfaction in him that's where true pleasures are found yeah. and, and love is found um, and so I think that's, that's probably what I would say is that the, my greatest joy would, is just seeing and beholding the splendor of God and how amazing he is, 
and that re- that requires us to see us as very small, um, yeah. to see ourselves soberly and biblically that we are we are small and insignificant, sinful, wretched sinners, rotten to the core, and the core is rotten. And the only reason we have a relationship with the Almighty is because He deemed it so um, by His steadfast love, um, and because of that, there's nothing that can take us from Him. Uh, yeah. He would not let it. Um, and so it's just, for me, that's the, that's the greatest joy for me in my faith. So, right on. Yeah. Um, so uh, just when it comes to specific ministry, you are sure. the pastor of Ryrie Chapel. Yeah. Yep. So what are you doing out there? How did you get there? And uh, what, what direction are you guys, are you, is the church out there heading? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so how I got there, let's see. I, when I graduated Bible college in 2015, I started looking at different churches because I wanted to try. I wanted to get into ministry, start getting my hands dirty, uh, and so um, put it out a resume, talked to my different professors, and I got connected to a couple churches. But then they just didn't hire me. There was one who wanted to, but unfortunately, they weren't able to pay me. So uh, that has limitations, and so um, I was just gonna work, just stay in, 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 uh, I was working at Olive Garden. Um, I was offered a kind of assistant management position basically. Um, and I was just thinking, well, I guess I'll just do that and I'll just stay here. At least I can, you know, pay the bills. We can save money. You know, I can provide for my wife and we'll just stay up here in Bozeman and get involved at a church here or stay involved at the church we were at. Um, and Agatha, uh, talked to me one night when I was talking, expressing this to her and she just, it, it rebuke maybe sounds, it makes it sound too harsh, but that's kind of what it was. Um, she just, by the grace of God rebuked me, um, and, and called me to stay faithful to what the Lord has called me to. And so we talked to my dad and we made an arrangement with him to move back to the farm. I agreed to work on the farm for two years, just as kind of a gap time to just kind of fill the time, pray about it, take more time to look. Um, And so we moved back, and then I was out moving irrigation lines on the farm, and I got a call from Ryrie Chapel. Um, They had had a pastor who was there for 12 years who passed away unexpectedly. The church took a year to grieve, and then they started looking, and they got my name through a grapevine of different people. which is really cool. It's amazing to see how the Lord works. Yeah, right down <laughs> so, the road. That's yeah, awesome. exactly. Um, and so, as Agatha and I said, it was. It's we've had many situations that are just too ordained to ignore, where God's good providence is over it and and working in it. And so, I went out and just met the church at first, and then I filled the pulpit for a month, and then they called me to be their pastor in August of 2016. So I hadn't even been on the farm. I had been on the farm. We moved in March, April, May, June, June. I got a call. So four months or so. So you were 23? I was 24. 24. Yeah. When I got the call, which is young. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I had let no man despise you for your youth. Yeah. I had a, a great counsel from an individual who, um, I, I asked him, I said, how am I supposed to do this? 24 years old pastoring church. I don't, I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. And he recommended, 
you know, you're young, you can't necessarily be that fatherly wisdom pastor, right? People aren't going to necessarily respect you in that role. Um, be the loving son who's there for them, serves them, loves on them as the family. That's uh, awesome. And so I did that. I just that's pursued a, to do that. That's so. an awesome piece of advice. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it has served me really well. Plus, that's hey, my church. I'm, the I'm jealous that I didn't get that piece of advice. Mm. Mm. I probably could have avoided some mm. uh, unnecessary hurt yeah. to myself and to people. Sure. That's yeah. awesome. I yeah. love that. Absolutely. Um, Right on. So, uh, what direction are you guys kind of heading? Actually, here let, yeah. let me uh, let me um, specifically kind of what are the demographics of your area? What's the and and what are your yeah. kind of your biggest struggles in engaging with the community there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the demographics are farming uh, primarily. Um, there's a fair amount of retired as well around the area, um, out there in Ryrie. Uh, we have the potato plant out there. Um, and some other businesses as well. Uh, so that that's kind of the demographics. Uh, religiously speaking, Ryrie's like 98% LDS. Uh, it's a smaller town. It's about 800 people. I haven't seen the latest census actually, so um, or recent yeah. studies. Yeah. Uh, so about 800 people, though we do have a lot of people moving to Ryrie right now from like California and other places. And so... Um, that's kind of changing. Um, so that's kind of the demographics, and that probably ties into the difficulty. Uh, the difficulty is just that dynamic, I think, all Christian churches face of um, interacting with the LDS in a in a redemptive way, yeah, not in a confusing or blurring of the lines way. Um, and that's probably the struggle, because uh, in a small town with that that high of a population, the LDS wards, the LDS church is, is running, is involved in everything that's happening. Yeah. Uh, and so that's kind of probably the main struggle I'd say is trying to engage in that redemptive way where we're still pursuing the benefit of the community and we're still being loving on people, but we're also still trying to maintain that distinction of, Hey, we, we aren't the same. Uh, even though nowadays, as we all know, the LDS are trying to, you know, come closer uh, and use yeah. the same language we are. So, yeah. Um, is there a tendency being the the, the uh, severe minority mm-hmm. uh, to kind of be tempted to get your dukes up a little bit and be a little like uh, defensive, pugilistic in your engagement with them? Is that, have you experienced any of that struggle with your people kind of uh, <coughs> feeling the need for self-preservation and so they – uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think so. Cool. Um, I think the biggest struggle is because if you've grown up in this area, especially like my dad's generation and before, there's a lot of hurt um, f- that's been caused by the division between the LDS and others and the non-LDS. Um, a lot of shunning, a lot of hardship, hurt that took place. And so from that pain can arise bitterness or a frustration or a lashing out. Um, and, and you know, we, we've had to walk through that. Um, and, you know, thankfully we actually had Mike Gillia come early on and do his Contrast Brings Clarity. Oh, nice. uh, he's part of the Sons, uh, Share the Sons Ministry. Um, 
And he did that class, and in that, he does just a great job of emphasizing. We're not trying to bash. We're not trying to hate on the Mormons. We're not just trying to dismantle their view of Joseph Smith or something like yeah. that. That does them no good. We're trying to bring them to Christ, the true Christ, the biblical Christ. We're contending uh, for the faith. Exactly. Not fighting people. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so that helped. Um, but cool. there's still a struggle, right? And when, yeah. you're, when you're in an area with that big of a difference <laughs> it, it can be difficult not to get combative yeah so <clears throat> um so where do you see uh now sort of directionally where do you see Ryrie chapel in five or ten years hmm. if you don't have a, a vision for that then another way you could uh, engage with that question is you know what challenge do you see on the horizon hmm. uh not necessarily uh i mean maybe actually maybe it's the challenge that you have right now or hmm. uh or what's coming down the road for you guys. But yeah, yeah. speaking to, into sort of the directional, visional, I, I hate that word so yeah. much. It <laughs> drives me crazy, but. The Great Commission. No. <laughs> I always joke with, with my mom about that when we talk about vision statements. And I'm just like, well, does, don't all churches have the same vision statement? Uh, hopefully. <laughs> Worship Jesus and make disciples. <laughs> um, so, I mean, along that line, actually, would probably be to continue in what we're doing and trying to build um, in the sense of I, I really desire for us to be a community. I say it, I've been saying it every Sunday. My people probably are getting tired of hearing it, but we desire to be a community compelled by the supremacy of God to worship him and to make disciples of him. And we do that through being provoked uh, by the preaching of the word to deeper affections for God, so a deeper love of God. We do that through being taught sound doctrine. We do that through accountability um, and sharing life together in order for the purpose of sanctification. And we do that through making disciples through evangelism, personal evangelism. Um, and I want to see that continue um, and see that progress. And I think there will be changes in our, you know, probably in our church as we move forward. We've been trying to kind of redefine our, you know, bylaws and governance and things like that, because I think it's helpful to define those things and yeah. have good structure or at least clear structure. And so we've been working on those things. Um, but as we move forward five, ten years, um, by the grace of God, I'd love to see our church grow um, spiritually more than numerically, uh, just continue to have individuals who are satisfied with the Lord, who are pursuing the Lord, and the overflow of that will be evangelism and better discipleship um, and and a, a thirst for the Word of God. Uh, so I desire to see that take place. I'd love to personally uh, to live the rest of my life ministering to Ryrie. Uh, if Too the Lord will have me and if the people will keep me, um, I'd be happy to stay there. Um, and so we'll see if that happens, if God in his providence yeah. sees fit to do that. So. Well, uh, that actually leads into one of the, the last thing we're going to talk about. Um, that's definitely a, a point that we can be praying for you, that uh, God would give you longevity there, the mm -hmm. desire of your heart to serve that community, mm -hmm. to continue to, to keep warm affection towards your people. and mm -hmm. I mean, you can pray that for all your pastors. Yeah. <laughs> that we would continue to to grow in our love for the the, the sheep within our fold. Um, but yeah, how else can we be praying for you? We uh, we get to partner with you in ministry, mm -hmm. uh, you know, here and there, and it's awesome, and we love that. But mm -hmm. um, we have the opportunity to partner continually 
in prayer with you. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love for our people to know, um, yeah, how can we be praying for uh, your community there at Ryrie Chapel, the saints there at Ryrie Chapel, and also for you personally as you are uh, kind of, you have some, you're kind of the, the, the main dude there right now. There's, yeah. you got some, you got some good volunteer help and stuff like that, sure. but sure. Um, you're, you're laboring faithfully, but kind of alone yeah. in, in many sure. ways. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. How can we pray for you? Yeah. So uh, personally, um, you know, Agatha and I are blessed to be having a child on the way Praise God. Um, in September. And so um, personally, there's a lot of prayers in that as we ready our home, ready our hearts uh, to then bring a child up in the way of the Lord. Um, and so we're really excited for that. We're, I mean, we're over the moon excited about that. But I, I recognize and Agatha recognizes that we have with that some, you know, we have to, we have to set ourselves up for success. You know, if we as Christians are called to pursue excellency in what we do for the glory of God, that means we need to lay the proper foundation and set ourselves up for success at every turn. And so going into that, there's things in our home that we want to set ourselves up for success. And when it comes to the church, we want to set ourselves up for success. Um, You know, raising a child up in a church, having a pastor's kid. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, in a small church, you know, uh, prayers for that would be great. Um, that I would have wisdom and how to lead and how to lead my child in being raised up in that environment in a positive way. Uh, cause you hear stories about, you know, negative side of that. Yeah. And so, um, just wisdom in that. Uh, and then for our church just continues, continued prayer for the Lord's guiding, um, I don't want to step outside of <laughs> um, what he wants for us. Um, but but that the Lord would continue to just give a thirst for himself in our people. Right um, that, that we would be satisfied with him. And that he would be our highest treasure and deepest pleasure um, at every turn. Right on. Yeah. James, we I know that the pastoral staff, we just think the world of you. And uh, we're really grateful for your participation in in the podcast and in our our meetings and and uh, yeah, I'm, we just I'm like grateful said, and thankful for all of you as well. well I'm glad. And, and and if I can speak to Christ community as well, you guys have a great pastoral team. Uh, I pray for them as well as me and all the pastors you know. And um, I'm very thankful to have friendships with each and every one of you. Right on. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing this, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, we'll see you soon. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. Right. <laughs> Love you, brother. Love you, too, man.